Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome to the Teacher's Lounge, where we've got we folks at JU Israel trying to keep you connected to what's going on in Israel. Uh, I'm here as always with my co-host Alan Goldman. How's it going, Alan? Doing great, Mike. How are you? Good. And we have another Skype episode because once again we get to make our this episode with Lior. How's it going, Lior? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back, guys. Sure. As often as we can. Uh, so today, I'm going to do the thing that many of my students, uh, I think, find the most annoying about me. I know, like, my South African students or my Australian students will often, like, roll their eyes at how American I am. But since it is, uh, this week was the 4th of July, and I do think that America and Israel share a special relationship, but I think it's because there are things about America and Israel that are similar. So I wanted to hear what you guys think and, you know, just have a discussion about the parallels between uh, the American Republic and the state of Israel. And I would add to that, that you know, after last week, we kind of were talking about the controversy which very, of, the, of the Kotel, the wall, which really brings up tension between diaspora and, you know, American Jewry and, and Israeli, you know, uh, sites that it's kind of nice to look at the positive ways that both of the countries play off each other in a, in a bigger picture. Yeah, and really not focusing on American Jewry so much as, right, as exactly exactly like America That's, itself. Like, what about it? We'll work out American we'll, values, exactly. American. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll on, tell, go ahead. If this is like really your. I would say this is like your. This is one of your things. You know, you like you talk about this a lot. I do. Right. Yeah, you do talk about it a lot. Like how uh, how. Uh, Alan, when I bore you, you don't have to wait till the podcast episode to, to let me know. <laughs> this is actually us. an intervention. Oh, no. Exactly. <laughs> I'm unrolling my banner. Oh. By the way, Mike, no, I think it's actually quite fascinating, something I've learned uh, more deeply from you. Um, I think it's a very, I think it's very, uh, very interesting. So why don't you talk a little bit about how you see that? Well, I guess, I guess... My starting point is that I think both both countries were begun uh, not exactly in revolutions, but both both states were created with a purpose. In other words, if you look around the world, think of let's let's even just look at the Western world. Look at Europe, uh, France, England, Germany, Spain. These are not countries that somebody sat down and said, "Let's make a country for a purpose." They evolved over time because. This geographic region with this culture and ethnicity, so there were borders, you know, grow over time, and so you have the modern nation states. But they just evolved naturally. The United States and Israel are both countries that were created by a group of people at a particular moment in time with a particular driving focus and purpose. That's, I think, pretty unusual in the community of nations, and 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 both for really pretty ideological reasons. What do you guys think? Right. Yeah, I, it's it's interesting because um, when I mean even predating America's founding, when you you have the Puritans coming, you have um, all of these different sectarian groups coming to um, colonize what would become the United States. There there was this ideal of um, these these colonies being a city upon a hill, the New Jerusalem. Um, this this ideal of um, 
a light of unto the nations. A light unto the nations, um, hearkening back to to the Hebrew Bible, to um, to the covenant with God. There was this this new covenant. The if you want to look at examine kind of Judeo Christian values. Um, even just taking aside the similarities between the states themselves right now um, and their f- and the the foundings, um, the the values that are there are in the United States and and before all Judeo Ju- Judaic values um, that that are they're based that it's based on. Um, without well, without Jewish values, there's nothing there. I mean, well, you, you still have you still have the Roman Greek. Right, the the traditions there, but right. the the ins, the inspiration um, is is coming from the Hebrew Bible in many ways. They're getting, I think, I think the United States is getting, and much of the Western world is getting its sort of system of organization based on and and activities within society, whether it's cultural or scientific, sort of inheriting that Greek drive and organizational system, but their value system. The Greeks did not have a Judeo-Christian value system. The founding fathers of the United States and their predecessors and their, and their followers were, felt that the moral driving, uh, the moral underpinnings of the American society should be uh, the Judeo-Christian values of the Bible. So in that sense, there is, there is a sort of... That's, I think, why... When, when people talk about shared values... Right, that American Israel share values. Why do we hear about that so much? Don't most countries share values? Why do people always make a big deal? What? What? I mean, what about the founding fathers? What were they really basing themselves on in their language and how they saw themselves? I think they were largely basing themselves. They were. They were. I think they were personally religious to different degrees, and they had different uh, theological understandings, but they all felt that what, what in their reference point was Christianity was the value system that, that American society should base itself on. So give us, give us a couple examples, like just so we know what you're talking about when you say these values. Uh, well, the, so let's take some values that I think they're talking about. That every individual human being has value. Mm. So that's that that idea wasn't brought into the world by the Greeks. The Greeks and certainly not the Romans did not value you, humans can be used as slaves, humans could be used humans were to a certain extent uh disposable depending on who they are. And uh the Torah begins with this idea of every individual human is created in the in- image of God. And that's sort of where I think the, the that it's not a coincidence that these Enlightenment ideas, that Jefferson's formulation that we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, is not a Greek idea at all. It's not a Roman idea at all. It's a Jewish idea through Christianity. Uh, the, the preciousness of life, which doesn't really exist until the Jews offer it into, into the conversation of civilization. Um, uh, see, democracy is a funny thing because democracy is really a system. It's an organizing system. You can have a demo- democracy means that the people have the power and they have liberty, which isn't really Jewish. That the the idea that the government 
doesn't control the people. Judaism has surprisingly little to say about the forming of government and how systems should be made to organize at that level. Um, so I, I don't know that democracy, the, the, the moral underpinning of democracy that every human being has value is Jewish, but democracy itself, I think is Greek. Mm-hmm. So that, so I mean, it just seems like a contradiction because both the Bible and the early founding fathers allowed for slavery in their system. I mean, all men weren't created equal. Right. Right. Well, it was a hypocrisy, in, you know, in Jefferson's time. And I don't know that it's a hypocrisy in the Bible. The Bible, certainly when we look at uh, the context in, in, you know, in the Iron Age, the Bible is trying to push uh, society in the direction of protecting every individual human. So since hmm. slavery is a, is a built-in part of the economy, saying in the, in, in, in the Iron Age we should have a society where there's no such thing as slavery would be like saying in 2017 we should have a society where there's no such thing as electricity or, or petroleum. You, just society won't work. So what the Torah does is it puts safeguards so that um, every slave has to be treated like a human being. Uh, did, by the way, do we, do we find rule, rules in the United, early United States about how slaves are treated or not? The American South? Yeah. No, it's your property. They really were. I mean, that's why you could do whatever you want. Oh, rules. Yeah. Yeah. Jonathan Sachs has a lot of really interesting um, ideas about, or not ideas, but like observations around um, the the Greek influence in terms of how the the Hebrew Bible was interpreted and how, um, especially in regard to the the evolution of Christianity and the influence of um, of the Greeks and the Romans and how Christianity and, and modern Western culture evolved um, around the like the interpretations and the translations and how some of these things happened and the distance that was formed from um, from like the like Torah itself, and how um, like mo- the modern culture evolved, and like in relation to like Greek culture and um, modern Western civilization, and a lot of it like comes down to translation and a misunderstanding of um, I think values in Jewish culture and and, and like basically the lack of values in Greek culture and kind of like a com- complete, a complete lack of certain things and right. how those things were translated. Um, well, cause it's funny because you also have, I mean, in the, in the Christian Bible, you know, what Christians call the new Testament, there's, mm-hmm. there are directions where, where Jesus criticizes the 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 stand the Jewish standards of his time in a Roman context. So from its from its beginning, Christianity sort of functions with that. It's 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 an argument of how to interpret Jewish values in a Roman world. Right. Well, I mean that's I mean that is the heart of Christianity, isn't it? It's a reactionary movement against Judaism to many degrees, right? Uh, but but also within, you know, at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus yeah, says, okay. I haven't come to change anything, yeah. 
I've just come right. to, you know, I've come to make it, things realize their potential, which, you know, that's, right. it's, that's the eye, that's an eye of the beholder thing. Right, but the, my point is it's a definitely a reactionary to the Judaism of the time or the Jewish people, culture, government of the time. Which is a Roman time. Yeah. The Jews are living essentially yeah. under Roman control. So, yeah. you know, and yeah. not for nothing, all these American institutions that we have, you know, Senate, uh, uh, Veto, all these, all these Roman Latin elements, they tried to incorporate, they tried to build the, um, they looked at the Roman Republic as the longest successful democracy in the history of the world and tried to build an American Republic that would be learned from its mistakes, but essentially be based on that system to create something that would be very long lasting, um, which, which is what Lincoln's talking about at the Gettysburg Address. Let's see. Can we conceive of a nation? If you conceive of a nation built on the principles of liberty, how long can it last? How long did the Roman Republic last? Roman Republic. Oh, man, that's hard to do off the top of my head. I think like 300 years. So how old yeah, is America was- yesterday? 241, I think. All right. So we had a good run. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We are we are in the time of bread and circuses. One could argue. We are the not time to of get bread poli- and circuses. not to get political. <laughs> not to get political, but there is there is a concern that 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 what the, the republic falls when certain it isn't and maybe I'm interpreting too much, but I think it's not that that laws get broken as much as norms get broken. That mm-hmm. if you break enough of the norms then democracy ceases to be able to function properly and then you have autocrats stepping in and then it's very hard to turn that back. Is that happening in Israel? Do you have an autocrat in power right now? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, there's all been a lot of stuff with media here in Israel also over the last few right. years, um, which is definitely one of the really fundamentals of a free society is a free, is a free media. Um, I, I, I actually don't think it's hard to say. It's sad to say autocrat because in Israel, it's so he, he's def, he's a very good. I mean, Netanyahu knows how to play the political system better than anybody, but it's still a very teetering system. I always feel like we we hit like live on fiddler in the house, uh, fiddler on the roof here, you know, politically because you know we could wake up tomorrow and they'll bring the government down. Yeah, uh, so he's very good at the balancing act of staying. Keeping as the yeah. prime minister, prime minister is not a very powerful position. Fiddler, he's the fiddler. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not even on a roof. It's like fiddler on a Jenga tower. It's like so <laughs> unbelievably. Like how many Netanyahu's the first prime minister to go through a full term since like the mid eighties? When did he go through a full term? His second, I think. Didn't he go through all four years? I think it was three. I think it ended after three and a half. I think it was getting close. Uh, I think it was three and a half. I could be wrong. You can check me. But certainly we know that the, there's been two full-term pres, you know, uh, systems. So it's hard to say that. I mean, we do know there were definitely shenanigans this year of trying to control the media. We talked about that on an earlier podcast for sure. Um, but uh, Israel still seems like a very wildly – and people always like say, oh, you've got a crazy place there. But it, it's democracy seems to be even – more wild than American. You know, if we talk, because in American, you have this system where you have two, uh, really basically two camps, and then everybody tries to fit in those camps somehow. And that's sort of what happened this year with the whole 
with old Trump election was that like, well, what is Trump really? Is he really a Republican? He never was. And now he came out, he sort of took over the party and you have forces in the party. But in Israel, they just make a new party when that happens. Right. Right. You know, like, okay, you don't want us to pull out of Gaza, but Seder, we'll make a new party. And then like half of labor and half of Likud both leave and make a new party called Kadima, which lasts for, you know, three, four years. They make major changes to, you know, the country, like pulling out of a tremendous amount of territory. Well, as, as and, then a, they di- and they they dissipate, and then their and then their prime minister gets in jail, who got out this week from jail, by the way, and then it, and yeah, then the, stuff, he got and then the party early. dissipates. What? And he goes shopping. He got sprung. He early. goes shopping. Yes, uh, early. and then it dissipates. It goes family. away. It's like this crazy. Yeah, right. That's very American. <laughs> no, if he could have gone, the, if he could have gone the hool, if he could have gone to out, out of Israel, like to you know to go shopping to like Poland. Yeah. Israelis love going to Poland now shopping. You can't yeah. imagine. Oh my God! When I just came back from Poland in the mall, first of all, Coldplay was playing in 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 Warsaw when I was there. So uh, literally, there were plane loads of Israelis that went to Poland to hear Coldplay and shop in the malls. I, I'm not even I'm not like exaggerating like five, ten Israelis. We're talking about hundreds, if not thousands, of Israelis who went. That's really like weird. they had deals. They were staying and they were staying in the hotel. You know where I was staying. I mean, it, it was it was really crazy. Reparations. Yeah, yeah, it's called the reparation yeah, package. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, let's be fair to Poland. Let's like it's not a Holocaust podcast, but let's be fair to Poland. They weren't. I mean, there was certainly. Well, whatever. I don't want really to get into it, but there's certainly a, a wide range of victims, bystanders, and perpetrators among uh, the Polish people during World War II. Nice disclaimer. Yeah, I kind of feel bad. I kind of feel bad because they were conquered by the Nazis as opposed to other countries that willingly worked with the Nazis. They were occupied. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were terribly occupied and they, they, their government was in exile and there was a fair amount of uh, Poles who also saved Jews. I'm saying there's a mixture. So, so Poland, That's true. It's a complicated story, Colin. But that, that has yeah. nothing to do with, uh, with America. That's my other life. <laughs> Yeah, by the way, in American history, you actually have those people before the state. When the revolution... Oh. Go ahead. And again. When the revolution starts, you have, you have American writers saying to your Tenso Israel, alluding to the biblical revolt of the Tem tribes against uh, Solomon's son. Uh, how do you say Rehavam in English? Rehabam? Rehabam, yeah. Know, something probably. like that. So Yerevam, Jeroboam? I guess Jeroboam. Oh, uh, Jeroboam, maybe? Jeroboam. That's By the way, right. you also had what's lots of poles who fought in the revolution. Yeah, yeah, that's you true. do. Kashishko yeah, like, and the 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 founder of the uh, the the mount the what should we call it horses uh, infantry like on horses the cavalry. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> was a pole was a pole. That's not right. Kashishko. Uh, I can't. Yeah, that's a bridge in New York named for him. Yeah, yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then there was uh, there was others too. What's his name? Uh, there was some others too. But anyway, a lot of French also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. How how do you think? Uh, would would you say Israel is more of an American influence country or a more European influence country? What did it say again? American was more or European. Inf- what was the first one? American. You know America's not in Europe, right, Alan? Really? 
Yeah. I don't understand the question. I mean, more as America is a well, more American. Do you think American culture, culture and European culture are the same? Oh, ah, uh-uh, that's what you're asking. Okay. So, which one do you think influences Israel more? Which one is Israel? Now we're at the founding of the state. Go ahead. Good, good question, Michael. Say more, Lior. Well, I mean, you have the in the initial stages. We're talking. There's um, a heavy element of, of socialism, and that's um, certainly not coming from an American perspective. You've got people coming over from um, from the Pale Settlement. You've got people coming over. Um, you know the 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 waves of Aliyah um, and forming the kibbutzim, um, and that's not American ideals at all. Well, at the uh, time, yeah, post World War II, I think that's fair to say. Yeah, um, and the certainly later when the when the country is forming, I think you can you can see the influence of American ideals. Um, to a certain extent, but there's also a heavy element of, like the the socialist Russian um, founders right. involved um, as well. So there's, I think, there's an interesting mix um, and, and a fusion that you can still see today. Well, there are Israelis in the '50s who are arguing whether, because they're socialists or communists, whether they still have to have allegiance to Stalin or not. They all agree that they should be looking at the world through a communist lens, but does that right. mean that, that Stalin is still the chairman of Israel or of their kibbutz? Right. Kibbutzim split over that fight. So, yeah, that's true. That's not very American in real no. time. No. No. Yeah. I mean, that's like House and American Committee situation. I mean, like, it's look wild. What's going- yeah, it's yeah. during the McCarthy era that these things are going on in Israeli culture. I think we also take for granted because in our rhetoric, as Americans and Israelis, we always talk about this amazing relationship that Israel and America always have. That was not the case. No, I mean, and also, like, look at what's happening, like, in 50s, 60s. It was, a very, it was very tense because you had the, um, the creation of the, the Demona reactor. Um, we were not, like, things weren't, like, so rosy in terms of what was happening there. Well, Israel was tighter with France. Right. And there was still, I think, tr- some effort to try to make a, bring us into the orbit of the Soviet Union, mm-hmm. which in retrospect oh, sure. seems so crazy. Well, I mean, culturally, you also had it, you know, the keeping TV out, right? That, that, that was a, a marked thing, you know, yeah. that trying to keep the TV, the American influence out, keeping... Uh, well, it's not a know, free market. Maybe, yeah, even though the Beatles are not American, but, you know, not letting the Beatles come to, you know, that's controlling controlling the the, 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 the the cultural market as much as you're controlling everything else. As, as much as you're controlling the economic market, controlling the cultural market. And I don't think that that's something that people, like people here realize. People here in the United States realize that there was um, an, an effort to control what was being consumed in Israel. Well, I think Americans don't realize it was different in Europe either. America, American television, which has such a huge impact on society, evolved from the beginning as a free market institution with like Mm -hmm. federal regulations, but it was really just a business. Right. Right. And in Europe and Israel followed that model, it was really considered something the state had a responsibility. If information is going to be pumped into people's homes and the state had a responsibility to regulate and control that those things were positive and making homes better. 
So the it, it has huge cultural implications in terms of what's on television. I don't, I don't think Americans know about that. Alan, remember you Mm-mm. talking, telling me about the black and white TV thing? Which when was that, the, the 80s when you were? Here? Yeah. Yeah, here you, I mean, here you only had one channel. When I, in 89, when I made LA, there's only one channel, right? Channel one. <laughs> Go figure. Yeah, they had right? to give it a number, though. Yeah, exactly. They had to give it a number. <laughs> and that, that was it until, you know, till the early 90s. Well, you could watch Jordanian TV. Come on, don't complain. You could watch Dragon TV. That was black and white, right? Yeah. No, but wasn't there a thing yeah. that, that when color broadcast came in, in Israel, they put those filters yeah. on that turned all the signal into black and white? Oh, I don't remember that. That wasn't for me to hear. You don't remember unless that? Unless I said And then no. people were selling black market, like, color descramblers. Oh, really? Yeah, there was oh, a period because it wasn't fair because you have this – because <laughs> in other countries, you have this unfair thing. As it, it, and it was in that middle ground where uh, – where some people could afford color TVs and some couldn't, the Israeli government felt that that would create uh, a gap in society that wasn't healthy. So everybody oh. had to have black and white TV, even if the signals coming in could be in color, and then people were just scrambling them. So eventually the government just gave up on it. By, by the way, we used, to pay, we used to pay a television tax. Sure. Until very recently. And all, the other thing about the, the interesting thing about television, though, on, on the good side was, and this is what people like, you know, uh, I, used to, I used to hear like old timers talk about this once the new cha- channels came in is that every, everybody used to watch the same thing. Right. So the next day, everybody was having the conversa- same conversation about the same thing. Right. It's like Dafyomi, wherever you go in the world, everybody's saying, <laughs> right. So it was like that idea, like uh, that was the one thing that worked. So everybody was talking about that. So it okay, had a positive side to it. We're old enough that like, we remember that in the States also, just to a lesser degree. Like the day after the last Dallas. match, everybody. Yeah. Oh, the day after. Right, the day after. Wow. The day after, yeah, that's right. Oh, the, I, I, I wasn't even talking about that, yeah. You remember that? The day. So when I was like three, I wandered down, um, or like my, my father had left the TV on, and um, it was playing. And I have been terrified of nuclear winter ever since I was three years old, like I have panic attacks about the end of the world because I saw the day after, um, and not oh. like it's original broadcast, like when it oh, was like, like rebroadcast. Yeah, um, and yeah. So our next topic so the, is the end of the North world Korea. is my biggest fear. Yeah. Yeah. North Korea. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No, I, I still can, remember, I, can... I still remember the panel afterwards and Carl yeah. Sagan was schooling. Yeah. Who was it? It was, was it George Will? I don't remember who Carl Sagan was saying that, that that the show was not depicting the darkness and the cold properly, like scientifically. <laughs> I was in high school, man. That scared the bejeebers out of me. I was first year of college. We, we went out afterwards. It was in New York City, and there was like nobody on the streets because everybody was home watching it. It's like, oh my god, it's really happened. It's like <laughs> the village Terrifying. was empty. Terrifying. Meanwhile, here in Israel, we just go to bomb shelters every once in a while. Yeah, that's not a big deal. And shake it <laughs> up. So it's interesting yeah. that you're saying that the you know the, the the difference between the government trying to regulate and make sure that you know one person doesn't have more than another in terms of like television, for instance, or that an was experience. Israeli value, yeah. Right, because if you look at the the income inequality now. And say um, the tent city protests from a couple of years ago, people right. being able to buy homes, people being able to rent an apartment. Um, 
that's, you know, that's in the press, or at least in the American, like the looking at Times of Israel, say, there's an article about that every couple weeks, um, how, yeah. how challenging it is to rent an apartment, how challenging it is for new Olim to stay. Um, and it's like, that's a big factor, I think, in people like making Aliyah um, or in new Olim being successful or even just your, you know, your everyday Israeli trying to, to make it without going bankrupt. Look, diplomatically, mm-hmm. the governments of Israel and America start working together really tightly in the 70s. You know, as the you know, as a result of a few different things, but but culturally, America only really begins to influence Israel strongly in the '90s, partially right. because American businesses get an open market in Israel because the Arab boycott of businesses that will sell to Israel drops in the '90s, and then you because have of Oslo. because of Oslo. So mm-hmm. then, and then you have also you have when Netanyahu is finance minister, he de-socializes a lot of the economics of the country and makes it much more of a deregulates it and makes it much more of a free market. Right. So so you have this this real uh, it really starts in eighty five in eighty five when they make the new Israeli shekel mm-hmm. because how of does the, that start Americanizing. Because that's when the, that's when the deregulation starts begins. Uh, I mean, Netanyahu seriously catapults that in I think it was two thousand when he was finance minister. But it, the process starts slowly happening in eighty five because the economy collapsed and they realized this this controlled economic it just doesn't work right. and you can't keep and you can't keep funding kibbutzim that are not making any money and the government was just giving them and businesses and factories and. It, they weren't making, you know, so they, that's when the deregulation begins. It begins with the uh, Israeli shekel. And then it keeps growing until today we have a terrible wealth cap and the crushing of the middle class. So I think um, that's when the deregulation begins. But I don't know that the Americanization yeah. of Israel begins really till later. I think Israel I think has a lot a, more American influence than it used to. Yeah, for sure. I'm just saying that's where it starts. And then it becomes yeah, yeah, yeah. incrementally. And that's where it starts. And, and Because then also once you deregulate, you also start opening your borders. Right. So then and when Oslo, like you said, it starts coming in. So then you, the, all the influences come in. That's also, again, when you start getting more TV stations and all of a sudden cable and all of a sudden Israel becomes a real much more global, global country as opposed to a very, you know, when we came in high school. It was really a third world country that yeah. was like a backwater, isolated, you know, handing on the shoestrings. And now it's really it a real modern, culture, you know, economic pattern. Yeah. Right. It was, it was real culture shock. And now it's, there's, I don't think people get culture shock when they come here so much. I Other remember, I remember Israelis. That's that, why they go to the show because they want culture shock. Well, they want to mm. feel the old culture. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But like I remember guys bringing ketchup and Cheerios because you just couldn't eat yeah. any familiar foods here. And now, you know, it's, right. a, it's a little more expensive, but you can get pretty much anything you want. It's a really much more right. open country. Even when I the first time I was there in in two thousand four, it was very different. Um, I was in I was living in Beersheba, and it still oh, felt still. yeah, still Beersheba is a little bit of a backwater. Yeah. Um, but the the difference over the last like thirteen years um, yeah. is extreme. Yeah, the, sure. Just extreme. Sure. Um, I would say that is the age of America's role of a superpower declining since 2000. America has been a uh, diminishing global power. And, and in a world where there is, you know, really no or superpower or a declining superpower, 
So that means the world's probably going to open up to multilateral mini powers. And that's what Israel sort of in that, in that space, Israel is becoming the Middle Eastern mini power or one of them. Are you quoting Corey Shockey? I wish. I wish I was smart enough to remember things Corey Shockey says <laughs> on the Deep State podcast. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's, so that's a good, it's a good question. I mean, uh, is Israel more back to that Israel more European or American influence? Like culturally, I think it, it, there's a real, there's a huge, it's a huge melting pot in many ways. Also Mizrahi, right? Also the tr- tremendous Arab uh, influence. Right, that's for sure true. Middle East, that's for sure That's still true. But look, NBC. I remember, I remember in the seventies there was one pizza shop in Israel. Richie's, American style, Richie's Pizza, in Jerusalem. And that's, where, and that's where you went to if you wanted to meet someone. You put a note on Richie's board. Nachon, you would put a little petek. He had a little, uh, what do you call it? Like a like Bolt, a cork board. board. Yeah, cork board, right? And you would just write a note, and and you would. That's how you would text people. You would yeah. leave it on it's the a, board. I'm going to be here next week at 7 o'clock, Mike. Yeah. Meet me there. That's yeah. how all Americans communicated. You would leave a thing on the wall in Richie's because it was the one pizza store. And now, not only pizza stores are ubiquitous Richie's in still Israel. Around. What does Richie do now? He had the, store, the, the place in the Rova for a while, the, the restaurant in the Rova uh. for a while. I forget what he's doing now. I think he's a tour guide also. But Yeah. Uh, so you're listening to the old people talking old guys. about we used to come to Israel moaning the about the oldest. Well, in my day, I didn't come in the '70s, in the '80s, only in the '80s. I wasn't here in the '70s. No, I was first here in '82. Yeah, during the Lebanon War. Me too. I think I, my first year here was '82. Also, you didn't say hello to me. I came wow. with Gratz College from Philadelphia. Wow. No, but now yeah. not only are are uh, pizza places everywhere. But burger places are everywhere. Bagels, man. They're bagels. There are bagels in Israel. There's sushi everywhere. Bagels, right? So it's a much so it's a much more internationally. It's a much, the whole world is much more is much smaller. But I guess I still wonder sometimes. I still think in some ways, yeah. American Eagle. You see Israelis walking around with American yeah. Eagle all the time, not just uh, Fox. So I, but I, I still feel at the end of the day, both in terms of. The debates in Israel politically are not like the debates in America. Although, to be fair, there is no other country in the world having debates like in America. So America is unique. Only America is there a debate over, you know, should we control who buys guns? Only in America <laughs> is the debate over, you know, should we have, uh, should, should we teach uh, evolution in science class? Should we give universal health care? Should we give, should, is health care a right? Yeah, should a, we should we let women stay home with their babies for more than a day? Right. Yeah. We're making America great again, guys. <laughs> well, it is the only country having these and a host of other America's issues, first. really. It's the only country in the world having these discussions. In every other country in the Western developed world, these are resolved issues. Right. Right. No, it's um So in that sense, Israel is much more European. It's it's got all these things pretty much it's a much more it's, standard yeah. Western democracy than the United States. And it's a parliamentary well, system right. as opposed to the United States funny two-party constitutional. By the way, Ben, that's partly because it comes from that regulated past where everything mm-hmm. was regulated. Right. So, so it's almost like, like the things that weren't deregulated, it's like was a given already. You know, like health care. 
even though healthcare was was changed tremendously because there's more market competition between different uh, insurers and things like that. So is the American-Israeli alliance based on shared values or shared interests? In other words, well, I think I think that we, as uh, as uh, Israelis who grew up in America, or American Jews, or however we want to describe ourselves, like to think that it's shared values. I think the real politics of the world are shared interests. That when decisions are made on the governmental level, it's shared interests, really. So then, why do politicians always talk about the shared values? Rhetoric sounds. Sounds better, yeah, rhetoric. It sounds better. Yeah. Also, think about. Michael doesn't like it. Like Michael's giving you a smile. He really loves. No, here's this, what this I don't shit. like. Here's what I don't like, and it's the it's the <laughs> fundamental problem with this podcast is that we think alike. And, yeah. and here, you know, here you need somebody on the other side. But I think the real politic is is I don't. I know this is often debated, and certainly in people who who the argument among, and we've seen this recently with Brand Israel. Uh, uh, right. I forgot her name. She's saying that's the Fern Oppenheim. Fern Oppenheim. She's saying that you see this turning away from Israel by college students, and the only possible solution is we have to talk about that our the relationship in Israel America is based on our shared values. And I, I don't know anybody who who's moved by that. I will say this. I will say that initially, like like we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, um, America was founded on these ideals that um, I believe Israel, the state of Israel is also founded on. I think that... Well, they both have the, declarations, right? The Israel and right, the American like one, the, we, have, we have a purpose. Yeah, the, the idealism that both states were founded on is shared. I think we've moved um, in, this, in this dark modern age. Um, I think that many, if not most of us, have moved away from idealism. Um, we're living in a in a very cynical time, we're confronted with a lot of um, a lot of social problems. We're not seeing our leader, like we're not seeing leadership. We're n- we're seeing politicians um, who are using relationships for their own ends, and a lot of these values are kind of getting getting lost. So we're seeing um, we're seeing where there might have been might have been idealism might have been values that come into play instead are being um, instead the end of the at the end of the day like it's those shared interests that are coming into play. So every, everybody moves away from those initial from the initial values because you need to get things done. Well, I would argue that in the two hundred forty years of American of the American Republic. It's moved to actualize its values, right? Like it's much. Now oh, that's scary. Don't you think? <laughs> I mean, you know, in the nineteenth century, you have not only slavery, but you have genocide of whole nations. You have in the twentieth century, you have medical experiments on African Americans, and and you know the incarceration of Japanese people, and you know the the. Genetics. Uh, yeah, I, I I think I think that as you come into the twenty first century, you actually have institutionally <laughs> evolved you don't that's true you can laugh Why you no, I, I stopped myself from i filtered myself i was about to say something that you'd have to edit out later so i won't ah, say it. that's probably why 
<laughs> uh, less work for me is good. Uh, didn't Kurt Vonnegut say something like, uh, it's not fair to judge the American experiment? He said this in like 1980. It's like, it's not fair to judge the, if the American experiment is successful. We only started working on it in the last few years, in the last like five That's years. That's true. So, no, and I see your I see your point. We have made we have made great strides, right? Given where we started with slavery, with in, in court, I mean, even in the last fifty years, if you look at institutionalized racism, if you look at um, women suffering, the place of women in society, yeah. um, not being able to apply for a credit card right. unless you had your husband or your father sign off on it and co-sign for you, right? Um, Geez, it's uh, it's mind-boggling. Right, and that's not that's not ancient history. No, that's it's that's in, 25, 30 years. It's 30, 40 years ago. Right. So I I, I, I prefer to say it. I'm I'm, I'm agreeing with your point, but I would prefer to say it as both are founded on ideals, and both have achieved success in 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 moving forward to achieving the ideals. And like anything else, both, you know, there's, there's nothing perfect and both still have a long way to go to fully live up to the values and ideals that they were founded on to achieve their mission and purpose. Sounds good. That sounds like a good wrap. Yeah, yeah. that's a more optimistic, I think. Uh, <laughs> but I think it's fair. I, I think I think I do think it's fair. And I think that's uh, a patriotic way to 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 frame it. Right. Okay. Bruce would be proud. <laughs> oh man, I wish that were true. Well, to think that Bruce would be proud of something, I would say. Oh, I have to send you the Times of Israel thing I wrote like five years ago about Bruce Lee Ariola. Oh, yeah, send it to me. Yeah, it was when uh, there was all this. Not maybe four years ago, it was all this hubbub that Bruce was coming in the summer. Mm, yeah. So you're listening yeah. to Teachers Lounge, old people kvetching, and Bruce Springsteen. It's a new spin on the podcast. That is going to confuse everyone. Um, but you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't uh, include Lior into old people. That's true. That's true. I'm, I'm aging slowly. That's right. But you're, you're just sort of tending to us to make sure we don't go senile <laughs> and go off the rails completely. Um, so thank you so much, guys, for a thought-provoking episode. Uh, to people who are listening around the world who are not American, we hope that this was enlightening to you, for you. And if you are in Japan, please contact us through the juisraeljerusalemu.org website. I hate that URL. Uh, because I think it's VPN, but we have, how many did we have, Alan? What? We have uh, like over Japan? 600 609. downloads. 609. 609. Downloads in Japan. Very, very popular in Japan. Like We're going 230 on in Germany. Yeah. So we've got the World War II Axis powers pretty much. We don't have enough from Italy yet. Uh, I yeah. think that, but, but I still think that somebody's like has a fake IP address. They're using a VPN. Why would we have over yeah. 600 downloads in Japan? I don't yeah. know. That's I mean, just cool. The vast just go, majority just, just, go just with believe it. it. Just that believe we're big it. in Japan. Well, we have You're big we have, in Japan. Yeah, our big numbers are obviously in Israel and the United States, but we do have listeners who I assume are English speakers if they're listening to it, uh, appreciating around the world. So hopefully this this uh, this wasn't too uh, Americentric for our broad range of international listeners. Uh, so thanks so much, Lior. Thank you, guys. Thanks Appreciate so much, it. Alan. Thank you, Mike. Oh, you froze there a second. There you are. 
Uh, okay. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye bye. This has been JU Israel, the Teacher's Lounge podcast. Please check out our website, juisrael.jerusalemu.org, for episodes, blog posts, and contact information. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever you use for podcasts. But you knew that, right? Uh, you can follow our Facebook page at the Teacher's Lounge Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at juisraelgap. Please keep in touch with us with questions, comments, feedback, and suggestions. And if you know somebody who would enjoy our podcast in general or an episode in particular, we love it when people recommend us. Thank you, guys. <laughs>